Welcome, welcome, welcome to your blackest hour, your blackest hour on the net. I am Mr. Brown. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know how I'm feeling right now. Oh, hey. You jumped in. You jumped in there. It's time yeah. to go. You jumped in. Now, because I thought I was going to get the first. Okay. All right. All right. You want to do it again? Nah, we don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what you want to do, man. That's what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Hey, nobody got time for that. <laughs> so, some 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 kind of exciting news after, and some, you know, not some so exciting news. Well, I'll just go with uh, we're moving the platform. You know, we, we've been taking a hard look at how we want to do this show and uh, how we want to incorporate our Your Blackest Hour community. And, um, you know, we were doing the show on Facebook Live and getting great feedback from Facebook Live, but it, it limited very much the interaction that we could have with guests and, and viewers. And we just didn't want that to be the direction of the show. Uh, we wanted to be able to engage our Your Blackest Hour community uh, and, and build on that community, but make it inclusive and make it to where they were contributing just as much to the show as we were contributing to the show. So um, we are now blog talk only. Uh, Facebook Live just didn't make it conducive for us to have the type of show that we wanted to have. And, you know, uh, me and Mr. Brown, you know, spent countless I uh, had countless conversations on what, what, what the show needed to look like going forward um, as, as me and him continue to try to give you information, news, pop culture, whatever. But it's like we can't do it all. And we, used to, we got so much great feedback in the, in the Facebook comments. Like we just wanted to make sure everybody else could be a part of it and not just us. Uh, so we've gone to an audio podcast only, but we really want it to be driven by uh, our Your Blackest Hour community. And with that being said, we have some great guests that are coming in today. Um, today, you'll hear from uh, our local New Orleans historian, Malik Bartholomew, who will be calling in at 8, 7.15 Central Time, 8.15 our time, uh, to give us a kind of a, a update on what the significance is of the re- removal of the Confederate monuments from a, from a local New Orleans resident who also um, it's a big history buff. Um, we also have Cleo Scott Brown call in, um, uh, principal and, and I guess uh, CEO of uh, the History Matters Institute um, that does a lot of race relations work across the country. She'll be talking about the what the what that significance looks like as well. Um, uh, we're excited to have Pastor Kerry Payton. Like you know, as much as y'all say I don't uh, subscribe to the. The, the, the philosophy of, of Jesus and him crucified. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, I think, I think it's a great discussion and I think uh, there's, there's great value in, in having a, a man of God um, do something on the show every, every week. So every week he'll be chiming in and giving us a kind of a, a five, five to ten minute Bible study moment where he discusses and breaks down some topic that is relevant to to people in life, because I, I agree, I will not say that spirituality and religion is not important in the black community. Um, and from time to time, we'll have uh, kind of like our, your black style correspondent, Caitlin uh, uh, Lewis, chiming in and giving us a little bit of kind of like a, a, a woman's perspective on certain things 
uh, that we that we may that we may need going forward. So with that being said, I talked a lot. That's kind of like my blackest moment. <laughs> you got you got to set it up. But you know, yeah, I know I did. Yeah, yeah, I got to set it up where we're going going forward. And so we kind of we're excited. Like I'm actually kind of nervous today because you know the camera's not on, and I feel like the product has to be even better. Yeah, so you got to hear all the excitement in our voices and not only in our expressions. But I do say this, uh, piggybacking off of KP, we have the most intelligent audience out there, and we got to bank upon the strengths that are out there. And so I, I look forward to the conversations as well. And I'm I'm, I'm looking back to our reverence. We, we haven't been on that, that level. Just give you time to laugh at the more serious issues that's going on. So go and get your shave butter ready. Yeah. Go ahead yeah. And, and get your sponsorship because, you know, we still sponsored up in this piece and doing what we always do. Yeah, we don't like, yeah, it's <laughs> like the crazy thing is we're going to be shouting out more businesses, giving people more shine as we can. If you call in and you just want to wrap your business, uh, govern yourself accordingly. But I will do my best. To, uh, to accommodate you with any shameless business plug. We'll do a shameless business plug segment. Yeah. Like, and you just call in and do a shameless business plug. So, shameless show, hell. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and you have to be as an entrepreneur. You got to be shameless in it. All the time. Yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, jump into what would be your blackest moment of the week. Man. I feel like you've been working on something. Man, my, my blackest moment... It's really all about my dreams. I don't know if y'all know out there, um, blog world, radio world, internet podcast, world, podcast, podcast world. world. Um, I want to be a rapper. And I've been wanting to be a rapper for a very long time. To the point, I'm damn sure I am a rapper. And I'm going to keep living this black rap dream. I know some white people want to be rappers too, but it ain't as prevalent as it is in the black community. I, I never play basketball like the rest of them so this is the thing that that keeps hold of me like even when times get tough and they're like yo bro i've been thinking on on a on a broader scale uh scale i've been thinking that blackness might fall on the spectrum like autism you might be slightly on that spectrum you might be really deep on your blackness and i know sometimes i kind of was on the lighter end of my blackness but when you say you rap that pushes your blackometer so far Oh, like, oh, what else stereotypical thing do you do? Do you also enjoy chicken? Hell yeah. What, what other black things do you do? Do you play basketball? Nah, you don't don't pick me on your team. <laughs> you, that is you, you will those lose. are statements of fact. <laughs> you will lose and you will lose poorly. Well, it depends. Depends on your team is. Because, like, I'm... I'm good if there's no other black person on the court. I'll just put it like that. What? How often does that happen, though? <laughs> it's happened a couple of times in my life. Okay, I've, I've never, I've never gone somewhere. I've really never gone somewhere and been like, like to play basketball. I usually go, and we're gonna go into places where the the, the 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 ratio of black people is gonna be very limited. I usually go with another black, black person. person. <laughs> that way, you know, you got a friend in this thing. Too many black people have gone to places by themselves. <laughs> <not made> <laughs> yes. 
Well, I'll say it like this. This is how I ended up the last time I played basketball, for real, for real. I got invited to play pickup football. Guess who doesn't really play pickup football like that? Growing behind black people. Like, there are black flag football leagues, but it was number one. You, you got to have, like, special kind of shoes to do that, too. <laughs> I know. Like, man. most black men have a pair of extra tennis shoes that they can go ball in on a moment's notice. Who's getting cleats? Uh, hey, be that as it may. They invited me out to play some football, and we played, and we just wasn't enough people, and they're like, oh, there's a basketball court right next. I got my basketball with me. You want to play some basketball? I'm like, uh-oh, I'm about to disappoint some people. Because, <laughs> I, like, I already excited him with my athleticism. I'm like, oh, he's pretty quick. He can jump. I'm like, uh-oh, that, that don't translate. <laughs> it, it don't translate at all, brother. I'm like, ah. Because, you know, white dudes be having extra energy, too, on the court sometimes. And they be like, oh, you should guard that guy. I'm like, Man, I, I'm not going to lie. As a guy who plays basketball every Monday night, basically, there's this one white dude that I play with every week. And they automatically assume, skinny black guy, he runs. <laughs> and I have to check this dude mostly every time that we play. And it is exhausting, man. Can't do it. Like, like, I had to look these dudes in the eye, like, you want me to play offense or defense? Uh, Make up your mind. <laughs> Which one you want me to do? So, I'm a little bit vain. Like, I can still play basketball. Like, I pretend like I can still play basketball like I used to could play basketball back in the day. So, no one can tell me right now that I can't play basketball. Like, I am swaggy P. I hit jump shots. Like, I, I'll do Steph Curry stuff. Like, I'll between the legs and then... Like like shoot. Oh yeah, your your shots still wet, man. Like yeah, I was yeah I was, I was yeah I was balling out of control lately. Like uh, lately I've been balling out of control. Like and, and like I commend you, but as far as like things that will you judge my blackness on, like I didn't know how to do. Like uh, dominoes. I was a little bit older when I learned how to play dominoes. Uh, a little bit older when I learned how to play space. What else is in that black pantheon where people man, you, check you man, for your card? They'll check you for your black card. Well, no, I, I've been playing space for a while. Right. I've right. been playing space for a while, but I don't know how to shuffle. So it's like little things that like like ah. I you do know. remember you can't you can't <laughs> you don't you know he's my cousin and <laughs> and he always had uh, trouble shuffling. Like yeah, that's that is. That is real. So, so it's like little things like that. Like, yo, bro. Like, I could say I'm a I'm I'm above average space player. I might be pretty good because like I don't remember losing too often when I played space. And look, this is how you know you're really black when you got to go ahead and discuss some house rules on space very very quickly before you start the game. Like, yo, 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 wait a minute. How you playing? What's your What's your top four? Yeah. <laughs> what's like, your, like, what's your yeah? No, you know, what's, what's, what's the top four? It's like, oh, ace of space. Nah, I don't know what game. You playing <laughs> big Joker, little Joker, Deuce Dime, Deuce Spades. It's like, nah, we get rid of the Deuce of Dimes. No, you don't. <laughs> no, um, you don't at all. Well, oh, uh, oh, 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 that's why you got to discuss the rules. Right, because, rules. because I play, I played where you don't play with um, deuces. Yeah, like you don't play with deuces. I, I'm, I'm okay like, with that. Like you, you pull out the, instead of pulling out the Deuce of Clubs, uh, um, well, I see. I, okay, you're right. I played this. Game. You, you there, there's a deuce of. There's a game. There's a version of the game where the deuce of space like is bigger than the big Joker. And I was like, huh? 
there's a there's there's a version of the game where uh, you take out the two of clubs and you take out the two of hearts and the two of diamonds. Yeah, yeah. And then you play the deuces, like the two of spades and just the regular two of spades. I played it the way that you like that. Uh, which I hate because the way I like like to separate my cards is not <laughs> conducive. On that. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 I think that's one thing that I think kind of, I don't know how spades became like this black man's part of the black man Olympics. Mm-hmm. But when you think about spades, I remember the first time, I think it was in high school when I should have been learning how to type properly. I decided uh, I could also draw on the computer pretty well. So my homie who could type 100 words per minute did all my computer work. And all I had to do That's was get home. <laughs> he was like, I'd do your work, my work, and now you can draw me pictures on the computer. <laughs> and he was that was, he was a weird exchange. Satisfied. He was satisfied. Like, yo, that's I'm gonna draw him Dragon Ball Z pictures on the computer. And that's what he was an Asian dude. And, uh, gotcha. <laughs> and so he was like, yo. How old was this dude when he was typing hundred words per minute? She was doing that at fifteen. He was the only dude that could do every fatality on Mortal Kombat. Well, we we could, I'm more impressed by the one hundred words like, a minute. Yeah, threw out the fatalities of Mortal Kombat, <laughs> like so. Yeah, so he was doing hundred words a minute. So I wasn't learning how to type. And then when I got tired of drawing, I discovered um, that Yahoo had card games, and you could play online space. So I'm playing space, and then I'm like, yeah, the person next to you just bit Neil. What is Neil? I have never heard of this Neil. You bet that you're not gonna get nothing. Where where they do that at? Already I'm not playing without jokers and, and, and deuces being wild and now I gotta worry about you not getting a book to get a hundred points and then you doing double bag nail blind deals. I'm like, yo, y'all play this on a whole another level. Or when when first I'm playing with white folks and they was like, Yo, no with clubs. I'm like, What what? What is what is this rule? What is this that it felt like someone played you, like they made up their own game. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 let's play, play, beat up the guy with a D in his name. Like, nah, I don't think that rule is exists. I don't like that game at all. But I just felt like I was getting played, you know, to be exact. And that's when I realized, like, spades are different over different cultures. But I think black people love spades a whole, whole lot more than everybody else. Because where everyone else playing, Big Whisk, Canasta, what they playing? I, 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 mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to play. The thing is, I don't know how to play, uh, what is that, bid with? Yeah. I, I, I can't. I, I, that's, not a, that's not a me thing. We, we, we play poker. You might get some guys to play hearts with you. Poker. I forgot how to play hearts. Spades. <laughs> Blackjack. Uh, crazy eight. Crazy eight. Crazy eight. Go, goldfish. But I think everyone knows the goldfish. Yeah. Goldfish, I declare war. I declare that's taking it back, man. That's like all the games we know. Like I don't know any other games that that I play with my family. Like when you got a deck of cards, solitaire. All right. So (laughs) I'm hopping into the show. Um, We are discussing the Confederate monuments that came down in New Orleans. And what I want to do right now is I want to bring in um, Malik Bartholomew, uh, who is the owner of Frozen Photography. He's the owner of no Nola Tours, um, and he is joining us live today uh, from, I don't know where you're at, but from New Orleans, but uh, give me a sense of what the feeling was kind of in New Orleans as these Confederate monuments have, have come down. Malik, you there? Um, yeah, can everybody hear me? Okay, yeah, yeah, we good. We live, baby. Okay. We live, we live. So, um, 
Monday morning, uh, most people, whether what time they woke up, uh, most people in New Orleans woke up with whether it be news media alerts, uh, Facebook alerts, saying that um, one of the monuments, it's not all of the monuments are down, but the um, city actually took down one monument, and that was the Battle of Liberty Face monument, uh, was going down. Um, the mayor decided to take the um, first one down at 2 o'clock in the morning, um, the construction, well, the company that took down the monuments had to um, cover all signage of their company, and the members of their crew had to wear body armors. The NOPD served as snipers around the um, around the um, area now, in which they were taking down the monument. These white folks ain't playing. Like that's yeah. that's serious. That's serious. Right. Um, really? They had to take this action because the last. The last company, the last contractor who agreed to take down the monuments, the owner of the company, his Lamborghini mysteriously um, exploded. Um, so I'm sure the mayor and city hall um, did this as a precautionary tool to make sure that um, no one was hurt during the taking down of any of the monuments. Um, but there's been mixed reactions. Of course, you have a lot of people, um, a lot of, I don't know what, what do we call them? A lot of, I don't know if we call them pro confederates or what, whatever they say. Whatever. I, I, I like the term racist. We racist, don't like to so use a lot that. of racists. That's a, right. Yeah. So a lot of racists have come come out saying, "Hey, the the crazy part about all of this is a lot of these people who are making comments are not from New Orleans, not live in New Orleans, maybe living outside Paris, just saying this is history. This is disgraceful. Y'all y'all trying to erase history, which um, a lot of people are not listening to the mayor." The mayor from the get-go, and also I would like to shout out, the mayor did not start this um, campaign. This campaign to take down Confederate monuments and racist monuments started for a group of young black people um, led by one of my close personal friends, um, Quest. Um, and uh, shout, out Quest Moore. shout out Quest Moore, brother, brother of, of Michael Moore and Rob Moore. I know the Moores very well. Shout out. And, uh, and Quest um, you know, a lot of things with Alton Sterling and Michael Brown and all that was happening. Um, of course, it forced the other generations to talk. And when the older generation was like, hey, for decades we have been trying to take out, take down this monument, um, they also talked about how when I was in high school, a lot of the activists were able to get the Orleans Parish School System to change all names of Confederate generals. So we had a Robert E. Lee School. We had a, we had a Francis Nichols School, which is named after a governor, but a former Confederate general. And these group of people were successful in getting the school board to change the names of these Confederate generals to other names, like Frederick Douglass and Thurgood Marshall and other names. So when they heard that, they was like, you know what, we're going to pick up the charge. And um, uh, Quest, actually, in his organization, has been nonstop. I'm talking about going to city council meetings, um, putting pressures on city hall, making sure... Really, what's the name of his organization? Out. It's called Take Them Down Noah. Gotcha. You Take want to make sure the, you shout and, them out. They, and, and actually, this has been a great, great... Um, for people who are teaching, this has been a great experiment on... Um, the school system and the own democracy of how you have to put pressure on your political figures in order to to, to do the right thing. Um, so he started it, and because the tricentennial of New Orleans is coming around, the mayor, like a year or two, a year later, was like, "Hey, you know, we're going to look into uh, making a com- uh, uh, a commission to take down these monuments because they don't reflect our values." So um, 
Long story, long story long. Um, <laughs> it, it's been a, a lot of mixed feelings. A lot of people, actually, in the black community, are saying, "Hey, um, this doesn't change anything. This doesn't, this doesn't change the social, economic um, status of black people, and this kind of other." But this is a very important time for our city. I, I got to give respect to the mayor because honestly, I really think only a white mayor would be able. Um, to do what he just did, and Mitchell Angel is our first white mayor in almost like forty or fifty years. So, shout out to Mitchell Andrew for at least, and I know he's in a, a lot of uncomfortable um, positions. His his family is dubbed like the liberal of liberals in New right. Orleans and Louisiana. They have a lot of hate against them, but um, there's a lot of mixed feelings. But um, we're gonna keep going forward. Um, until all these statues are gone and replaced, because they really don't need to be there. Malik, I just want to say that white people been historically been able to do things that black people could never do. And they're able to get legislation passed that we tried to get in and all of a sudden, like, oh, this is a good idea, you should do it. And white people just jump on board of it. Or even someone like Don Stewart, like, I really miss that he's gone because he was the only one who was saying things that I felt, but then people actually listened to him. But uh, the the bigger issue is, I, I think, um, um, Malika, and I want to get a little bit of your feedback on, on this before we let you go. Um, you mentioned that, that a lot of people are talking about how um, this is insignificant or this doesn't have uh, value uh, or, or, you know, there was a lot of black folks saying that this is not a solution to the problem. And you mentioned like uh, uh, some, like a statement to that effect. Um, is there, is there been any education like surrounding this campaign that, that shows the effects that, you know, like, like when you have institutions and you have constant reminders of white supremacy, like I feel like take them down. Nola should be like this, distributing information that hey like these kids have these constant reminders of the of the confederacy and that's and that's why they had to change it that's why they changed the name of the schools like they didn't change the name of the schools but has there been any education of nola folks because you know like black people just don't never be satisfied sometimes but has there been any education around around um what this really the significance of this really from a from a institutional uh racism standpoint a white supremacy standpoint um, I know Take Them Down NOLA passed out information, um, but I think it really should be a combination. I think really um, the city and also um, various universities should have taken it upon themselves to educate citizens on this action and what was going on. Also, it's interesting to note, um, I have to pinpoint your co-host and what he just said, uh, when this incident, when this came up, when this movement came up, it made me aware that in the city of New Orleans, New Orleans was actually one of the first cities to actually be, um, um, I don't want to say conquer, but the Union was able to come and um, obtain New Orleans in 1862. So it was one liberate. of the first Union victories. Yeah, and to liberate New Orleans. Um, there's not one statue, memorial, monument in New Orleans dedicated to the Union Army. Hmm. Wow. Now, when we talk not, about even, not even the... Uh... 
the New Orleans the New Orleans brigade brigade of soldiers that were that were from New Orleans. It was like the one the first one of the first colored I just used the term right. colored regiment. So, so, one of the so first there's not a M M&M, and M, there's not a, 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 a a memorial to them. That's not a statue to them. So when we talk about these people, and honestly, because of the reaction that we got, I realized how important it was because these people was pissed. They was mad. And one guy actually went out there and was like, my grandfather, white guy, my grandfather's name is on this memorial. Mind you, let's talk about the memorial that was taken down. The monument that was taken down is called the Battle of Liberty Place. Uh, it's considered to be the most um, offensive monument in New Orleans. And what it um, is a memorial to is there were, um, there were in 1877, well, 1874, they had an election in Louisiana. A group of white men disagreed with the election. They were former Confederate veterans. So they took it upon themselves to arm themselves, and they attacked the state of Louisiana elected government, which was at that time a biracial government, and they murdered the local police in order to get control of the government. It did not end until the federal government sent troops. This is after the Civil War to squash the rebellion. So the memorial was in honor of those men who killed police. It was the only memorial in the United States that was in honor of people who killed police officers. Wow. Wow. So well, this is what they they were honoring. So it, it, it was a crazy argument to keep this one, this memorial and this monument up when what it symbolizes um, was just very controversial and it's filled with hate and the white supremacy. Hey, well, we appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking. Uh, as, as, as the monuments go down, <laughs> we'll have you, we'll have you back on, but uh, if you no need to And also you two are two great historians uh, one um, was taught by the great Raphael Casimir. Dr. Casimir sure and Joe, Dr. Joe Lewis Caldwell cannot forget about Dr. Joe Lewis Caldwell. So I'm sure the city is going to go into a dialogue about what can we replace the monuments with, what are our values. So y'all know any historical figures of um, Louisiana and New Orleans history, um, hey, we're going to be looking for some replacements for these uh, monuments. Will be part of the discussion. Malik Bartholomew, Bartholomew uh, from the city of New Orleans, born, raised, living, uh, Dillard University grad, my DU, owner of Frozen Photography, owner of No Nola Tours. Uh, appreciate you coming in. Uh, thank you. And we know we'll have you back on. And you're always welcome to call in, brother. No, no problem. I look forward to coming to DC and being that live. We live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we live, can't. Baby. We can't. Hey, we live, baby. They got that alpha conference in July. If you out here, we live. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, I just like the whole idea that these monuments are coming down because this is a very. I've been saying it for a long time now that the way the South clings to the Confederacy is almost akin to if Germany continue to hold on to Nazi symbols and think it's cool. And which I know a lot of people like, it's not heritage. It's not hate, it's heritage. I'm like, not the heritage of hate. And y'all still gassed up about following a bunch of dudes who had your poor white selves to the slaughter while them dudes waited back 
to protect their plantations, but you know they they sold you a bill of goods and they never 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 paid off on it. So I can see you being upset. Well, <laughs> well we're gonna continue the dialogue. Um, next we're gonna be joined by Cleo Scott Brown, uh, my favorite auntie, your favorite mother. Uh, <laughs> yes, my favorite. She mother. is the. <laughs> She is the the owner, principal, CEO of the Race Matters, the History Matters Institute. History Matters Institute. Uh, and she puts out a History Matters, um, what do I want to call it? History, it's history a newsletter. History Matters newsletter every so often. That every month. If, okay, yeah, please please go subscribe at CleoScottBrown.com. Yeah. Unless I've got a chance to write some articles for it, too. Well, she is here, and she is joining us, and we want to talk more about the removal of these Confederate mon- monuments, but we want to talk about it in a broader historical context and and just kind of get you to weigh in on, on the broader historical context and, and context and what that really um, means as far as striking a blow for white supremacy in America. Ain't he? Well, hello. Good evening, everybody. Hey. hey. Hello, hello. I, I, I want to say before uh, we talk about the, the monuments, it's just a reminder. I don't know if you all mentioned earlier that your um, great-grandfather, no, was that your great-great-grandfather uh, served in the Union Army and in New Orleans, and uh, when, the, when the war ended and they had the big... Uh, uh, well, the Emancipation Parade they had down in New Orleans, he was uh, one of the participants in that parade. Maybe they should rename a monument after him. <laughs> after, after, after him. So, Khan. <laughs> but I, I didn't know if you might have listened to that already. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. We did not. <laughs> Our contacts for history didn't, like, like we 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 wanted you to come on and talk about that. <laughs> yes. Well, I've I've just spent a, a whole day, two days, in in the most intense workshop on race that I've ever attended. <laughs> and it's a very thought provoking workshop. I highly recommend it to anybody who is looking for a real meaningful uh, workshop on institutional racism. It, it, it really went dive deeper than anything I've ever, I've ever attended. It's a race equity institute out of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. It was very, very impressive. But it gave us a, a, lot, a lot to think about, about race. <laughs> Got my ears a tingling. Right. It, was it? Well, we can get back to these monuments, but like, kind of d- discussing on this, was it? Was it? How do you talk about race to folks that don't look like you? Um, how do people who don't look like us deal? Because I, I feel like certain, oftentimes, black people are put in the position to actually have to, uh, like, we have to fix the race problem. We didn't cause it. No. It was it was straight talk about history. Everything was done from a historical perspective. They actually walked them through from the 1600s up until today 
all the major laws that establish white people as having a greater benefit than black people. So they they established it, you know, through religion, through the law, and then through science. And how all of these things took place in America to actually justify and to move white people into a position of the only people to be in power and how they codified race into the law. So, and, and so it was basically a history lesson of America told from the perspective of how all the different groups, and starting with the Native Americans, then the African Americans, then the Chinese, you know, how each group was marginalized through the law. So, Ms. Brown, yes. so to break it down, America has been attacking people who are non-white scientifically and religiously at the same time. So what is a, a black person to do? Like, dang, I can't find no solace. <laughs> well, basically, I think the point, the point that, that uh, my comrade got was that, that they really got for the first time that there really was white privilege and how you got it. And once they understood how they got it, <laughs> then they had to, they, you know, it, it, it was more workshops for understanding and how they are gatekeepers and how they control what is coming in and what is even what is allowed out of the community. And I've never been in a workshop where the white participants actually seem to get how much they controlled black, black just got wing. So, so, so do you feel like it was the wrong audience, though? Because a lot of times the, the people that come to these workshops are the people that want to get it and not necessarily the people who don't get it. No, these people were sent. <laughs> Some oh. of them, oh. they, they came in but but the, the, the objective is to work into corporations. But this particular time, it was teachers, police officers, police officers, well, two at, you know, at the, at the uh, management level, mm-hmm. and United Way team, uh, you know, the college, one of the, the Citadel, um, just, you know, in, in my group, it was so many people signed up for it that it was two different rooms. So I don't know who was in the other room because it was two classes running simultaneously. But th- there were funders there. I mean, people who control who gets grant money and, <laughs> you know. So that was, it was some nonprofits there. And so I think... You know, especially what the teachers got out of it. I think it was really great what they got out of it and how they actually impact how little black children are feeling. <laughs> so, so, so with that, with with that great context, uh, so let let's talk about 
um, Confederate, the Confederate monuments. Um, if if, okay. you, if you're if you're not familiar, you know they have been yeah. uh, they they have plans to remove four monuments. They removed removed the first monument. We had uh, local New Orleans historian Malik Bartholomew on right before yeah. you, and he was talking about how um, the people who went to go and remove the monuments had to wear body armor. They had to have snipers on the roof. Um, to protect these people as they remove this monument because uh, the last time they attempted to do something like this, the company who actually did the the removal, uh, the owner's car was destroyed, like like blown up. Blown up. Um, okay, it, I, I, it sounds, I, I can understand that. Very, very 1960s, right? <laughs> um, uh, well, when, when you think of it in the, in the context of how empowered white supremacists have become because of, number one, the election of Donald Trump, but secondly, having Bannon as the chief strategist in the White House. So you have one of your, 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 your supremacist guys in a very high place. So, so they have been emboldened because now they are not like the outside group, they are now the inside group. And so they, they feel that they can, that they've been given basically permission to, to, uh, to ratchet up their, their actions and their movement. And so I am 100%, I, I know that people are on the mayor's back about coming in the middle of the night, but I think it was absolutely necessary because the level of anger with white supremacists is real. <laughs> and they will kill people because they, they see Confederate flags and, 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 and monuments as, as a representative of, 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 of them. And to take it down is saying, you're attacking me in the most personal kind of way. Why do you think they hold on so hard to... Say again? Why do you think they hold so hard to this heritage of hate, something that most of them are poor and they never benefited from slavery? Slavery actually hindered them. Why do they still want to hold on to these vestiges that never really benefited them? Because they never had the history class they had today. <laughs> because they've never been taught. I mean, I've actually had this discussion with white people, and I I asked them, you know, like what what benefit? And I and I actually have have made a few of them speechless by saying, Do you realize that your family had no dog in that fight, but rich and powerful men? convinced poor dirt farmers that they did have a dog in that fight just so you could go out and help them maintain their power and money. And all these years later, you are still being proud of your ancestors being bamboozled. I mean, is that very similar? Like total silence. (laughs) (laughs) No, because that's very similar to what's happened today with the election of Donald Trump, right? We had a whole bunch of rich white people convince all these poor white people to vote for a president that was against every interest of 
of poor white people, of, of poor yes. people in, in general. So, I mean, I think, I think the playbook, yeah, the, so the playbook has always been, we noticed that the playbook has always been the same when it comes to perpetuating white supremacy and, and institutional racism and the, and the kind of class and like, you know, people want to separate race from class and, but you know, it's a, it kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hand, like goes hand in hand. So, I mean, I think racism is a big part of, of classism and vice versa. Um, well, well, in the class today, <laughs> we explored that, and and it was it's it's really pretty much it's just racism that that leaves leaves financial results that leaves class results, but it's still it's still the the establishment through law and practice that the white man is superior that that causes all the other economic the all the issues in all the other institutions. That that single premise is what causes the bad schools and the bad social workers and the bad, you know you know, all the different systems, the bad prison systems, all of those things arose out of that. That white that teaching and those laws because the whole per Jim Crow the whole basis of saying that that white people get everything first and black people get what's left over that's basically what you got with Jim Crow it it, it created an atmosphere where white people for a hundred years were trained to expect that everything automatically belonged to them and anything you got was what I allowed you to have. And so, you know, when you think about people are still alive that grew up under Jim Crow and still in the workforce and still in management, then you got this issue because it's, it's inbred. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's it was all they were taught growing up. Well, we want to thank you, Auntie, Miss Cleo <laughs> Brown. Scott Brown. Scott Brown for joining us today. Can you tell everyone where they where they can go to subscribe to your, your newsletter? And book you. Yeah, and book you. And okay. purchase your and purchase your book, Witness to the Truth. All right, okay. Well, um, to read some of my blogs or to subscribe uh, to blogs, I write on race, voting in class, and I do workshops called Think About What You Just Thought, Thinking Consciously, and, um, you know, that's working with groups on, on, on bias. And uh, you can get access to all those things on my website, cleoscottbrown.com, Cleo, C-L-E-O, Scott. Brown.com. Well, once again, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your evening. I know you're tired. Um, go ahead and, and, and get some rest, but thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, we hope to have you back on to talk more um, history, race, class, Jim Crow, because I really want to, you wrote a, a very good piece on the children of Jim Crow. 
And I want to have you on and spend a lot of time talking about about that because I want to like post all the pictures of like children of Jim Crow and be like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? <laughs> all your, your, your legislators. <laughs> right. He, he could be your, your attorney boss, general. Right? You know, so much of them. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us. Uh, have a great evening, and we look forward okay, to having you. Okay, and thanks back. for having me on. Oh, no problem. Okay. So it's fun having her on. I know, man. It's a, a big, big time. So look, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time on the monuments, but we we have our we have our testimony Tuesday segment coming up. Like the guests just come, like college just keep coding back to back to back. We do this on Tuesdays. So. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But we'll, but we're gonna have Pastor Kerry Payton Senior join us from Greater St. Matthew's uh, Baptist Church down in New Orleans. He is at the Mac number two location and i am going to bring him in right now words can't express how much respect and admiration i have for this man i grew up in this man's church he taught me everything that i ever knew about um having a relationship with god i i will be honest with you i i wouldn't have the core that i have today if it wasn't for this man i affectionately call him the the man who taught me how to be a man and I am glad to have you on the show today, Pastor Payton. Happy belated birthday. I think I, I made sure I shouted you out on your birthday, too. But thank you for joining us today. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. How's everyone? We're doing, we're doing well. We're doing Good. well, sir. Good. I'd first like to give a uh, – to, to say to thank you um, to the YBH for allowing me to um, – your Blackest Hour allowed me this opportunity to come together because uh, I know that it's a treasured time that uh, you all have, and I just thank you for the opportunity to come together with you all. And I, one of the things that I just uh, would like to address, just because of who we are in uh, our culture uh, in the, the time that I have is, who is Jesus to you? I want to put aside the, the, the guy with the blonde hair and the blue eyes and the fair color skin, because I, like you, are totally, completely convinced that uh, Jesus could never have been described the way that we see him in the pictures that we see him in today. So when I, when I ask that question, uh, that's a question that has to be answered by an individual personally. It, it, you have to search out for yourself and find out who he is and uh, not allow the, the the world to describe Jesus for you. So what I did was I, I looked into um, uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 16, where it talks about how Jesus had pulled the ones who were the closest to him, pulled them to the side, and he asked them two questions. He, the first question he asked them, he asked them was, who do people say that I am? And they they began to to call him uh, different uh, prophets of, of time before, and uh, then he, he made it personal. He asked him the question. He says, but who do you say I am? After being with me, after having an experience with me, after having a relationship with me, after trying me for yourself, you tell me who do you say that I am? And that's what I would like us to get to, get to that place where we can find out uh, if this Christos, if this Christ, if this anointed uh, one in whom we've been uh, presented as the one to be God. If he's real, let's not go on what nobody say. Let's not 
allow uh, nothing from outside of us to determine what we believe. Let's try him for ourselves. Let's find out if he says, if he is who he says he is. And to look deeper into the study, I, I look back in the 11th chapter, and in the 11th chapter where John the Baptist, who had been considered his forerunner, had uh, got locked up in jail and was being prepared to be beheaded, he sent out messages to ask the question. He says, uh, are you the one, are you the, 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 the Messiah, are you the Christos that we should be looking for, or should we look for another? And Jesus never gave him any kind of characteristics about his physical looks. He said, are people being healed? Are people being delivered? Are people being fed? Are people being given sight that at one time was blind? If you can see those kinds of things, then that's me. And that's what I would like us to do as individuals. Personally, try Jesus for ourselves. Not not the white Jesus, not the guy that we see in the picture on 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 the tables and and all of the business places we're going to. Not that one, but the one that we can try in our heart just to find out if he is who he says he is. And then if he is who he says he is, he's got some promises that he's made, and take him at his word and try him and see if those things become real in our lives. And if they become real in our lives, then we accept him for who he says he is, just like we would do anybody else. But if those things don't become real, then we cast him aside, kick him to the curb, just like we do anybody else that we find out they wasn't nothing but a fake, wasn't nothing but somebody trying to win me over to get take advantage of who I am. That's what I would like to present to uh, your audience today well, when you, it comes to you. You coming? You coming with it? You coming with it tonight? You, you can't. You can't prepare. Huh? You coming with it tonight? Uh, I, 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 I just. I believe this is an opportunity for me, Kendrick. I, I don't take it lightly. I know you all have an audience, and I'd like to be able to, you know, impress upon that audience that Jesus is real. Now, I'm not talking about this that guy on the cross that people got on the dashboard. I'm talking about the real Jesus. He's real, and if we tried him, then we can make an, uh, a decision for ourselves, a personal decision for ourselves to say, okay, I'm going to hang with him, or, man, I don't have nothing to do with him. But it's based upon me trying him for myself. And I, and I think um, I, I, a big part of one, I, I felt like this when I reached out to you. I felt like this was a necessary part of, 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 a, of your Blackest Hour community. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up, as you know, I grew up in the church. I grew up right there sitting on the front row, you know, armor bearing, armor bearing and mm-hmm. ushering and, and doing yeah. all types of things for you growing, growing up. So I, I fully understand how important having these conversations are. And a lot of times I don't do it as I've gotten older. Um, my outlook on, on, on religion has really shifted very much so since as an, as an adult, but, you know, those core values still stick with you. And I think you made a, a very Im- important point about trying uh, Jesus for yourself. Um, but I, I try not to, you know, I try not to be in a space where I am totally dismissing, you know, Jesus as a, well, sometimes I think I do, but, but I try not to be in that space because I know that there's a, a portion of our audience that needs to hear 
how you were presenting the value proposition of, of being a Christian and following Christ. So, so yeah, so we, we, we will have you on every Tuesday because this is an important part and this type of discussion is, is necessary. What I will say is for, for those people who have, for those people who have tried to affiliate with the church and have tried to um, kind of reconcile the, the kind of uh, the layer of white supremacy that's built on, you know, people say that there's a layer of white supremacy that's built on the Christian religion. And for people who have tried to reconcile that with, with being in a, a church home, what, what, besides the fact of, you know, try Jesus for yourself and, and, and getting out of this imagery of Jesus, what other things, what other things would you recommend or what, I mean, I think that that, you know, trying Jesus for yourself could be the end all be all, but, but, you know, if someone is, is, uh, trepid about, you know, like gun ho, like, Hey, let me try this Jesus thing, gun, gun ho. What, uh, what other things can, can we communicate to folks, um, who may be looking for, looking for how to reconcile that, that and how you had, you know, folks that pertain to be Christians, kidnap, rape, kill, and rob, pillage black folks through, throughout the, throughout history. Well, I, I believe that nothing has changed from now than it was from the beginning. There have always been evil people. There will always be evil people. And what evil people do is they find your weakness. They find what they think can be the weakest area for you, and then they move in in that area. And because our walk with Christ is about is by faith, there's nothing that we can tangibly touch or, or see so they see that as a weakened area, and they move in of those, onto those areas. But the thing that I think that we do that hurts us is that we divide. We divide ourselves uh, just like we do as a culture of people. We divide ourselves instead of uniting ourselves because when we unite ourselves as Christians, we form a body, and every part of the body needs the other part. No, you you couldn't tell your hand. Well, I don't want nothing. I don't have nothing to do with you. You you can go. We but that's what the enemy does. The enemy causes us to divide so that he can conquer. We have to come together collectively and bind together and be strengthened, and then we can overcome no matter what the obstacle is that's presented before us. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot of churches that are just cruel in nature. And we have to find a place where, where there's a leader who genuinely, truly believes in God and who's not trying to fleece us to benefit himself. That's hard to find, but there are some. And I'm sure I didn't before you leave, Come on. Uh, why do you feel that the church is still so integral to the black community because I believe out of most groups, other than maybe Hispanics, we still are very much ones who cling to to that unchanging hand, while others seem to become more atheists. I believe it's that way with us because that's all we have ever had. That was the only thing that we were allowed as a people to have because they knew that they can use that to their advantage. When they teach that slavery was biblical, 
They don't teach the principles behind, say, slavery being biblical. Slavery is in the Bible, but it's not biblical. It was not in the plan of God. Oh, oh you, 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 sir, every Tuesday, every Tuesday, we will have Pastor Kerry Payton Sr., pastor of Greater St. Matthews, uh, Greater St. Matthews Church Number 2 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? I want to make sure I get that. Yeah. So if you are in New Orleans and he streams, if you follow him on Facebook, he streams his sermon every uh, Bible study and church service every Sunday and, and Wednesday, I believe, right? Right. Okay. And you can catch his yeah, midday right. motivation every day. Uh, you know, I jump in and catch it every once in a blue moon. What time do you are you doing that midday motivation? From 11.50 until 12.10. 11.50 to 12.10, Midday Motivation 12, with Pastor Kerry Payton. A moment of motivation and a time of prayer where we come together uh, to get us through some of the tough times during the middle of the day. Again, I really thank you all. I really appreciate this opportunity, and I'm looking forward to being back with you all on next uh, Tuesday. Every time, same station. And, same um, time, same. We, we are glad to have you on. You you came with, man, our art night, you came you can't wait. Like that's why that's why you my that's why you my dude. <laughs> that's why you never, <laughs> never disappoint. Never disappoint. And you know I love you. I love you, man. I love you with everything there is in me. And I believe uh, that I love, God is I love you. 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 I love you, you too, Pastor Baby. And and tell your night, tell your tell your beautiful wife I said hello and I miss her too. You know she right here. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I see her. <laughs> night, I, see you all next I, week. You, okay. Next week. You have a great evening. Bye-bye. Man, show going, show going off tonight, huh? Good stuff. Man. <laughs> show going on tonight, I can't, huh? I can't, I can't, I can't lie. <laughs> got, got, got me all in my feelings right now. <laughs> <laughs> came with it. Man, I, I think I was uh, watching service online. I'm sorry, I ain't quite make it like I needed, <laughs> needed to. Uh, <laughs> that might be my new blackest moment. You waiting outside? You waiting outside to get into Easter Sunday? Oh, I didn't say about that. Man. I didn't say that. I forgot we've been off for so long. So if you don't know something about some black people, like we've already said, we cling very much to God's unchanging hand wholeheartedly. That we have this thing called CME Christians. They only come on Christmas. Mother's Day and Easter, and you know it got to be black because come Mother's Day, because you know your mama going to be there, so you got to be there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tried to go to church on Easter. Man, the line is like seven blocks wrapped around the corner. Homie did not make it into church. They told me church was closed. A word, a term I had never heard before. Here's, my, like, here's nah, my problem with uh, it. Who the capacity, bro? I don't want right. to say here's my problem with that, because I now, now, you know, Pastor Payton got me all in how I'm going to start. Exactly. I'm going to start talking about about Christianity. He kind of came on and shamed me on a little bit on the on the slick. Um, but I know he wasn't. No, he was just doing it in his own Pastor Payton type way. Uh, but why didn't you just go to another church? <laughs> like when you well, saw the line, well, well, let me all the down. sermons are, the, are basically no. rooted in the same in the same around, concept. Around Easter, around on Easter, Easter right? Around Easter it is. But the thing is about my pastor here, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Pastor uh, Howard John Wesley. Um, he breaks it down on an intellectual level that for someone who's grown up in the church, me and you have grown up in churches, right? 
And so, ain't too much new stuff you could tell me. I don't want you to hoop a holler. I want you to teach me something new. And he's an intellectual preacher. He, and he's kind of revolutionary. He's from South Side Chicago. He has a math degree from Duke. So it's like, and he decided to preach. So it's like, it's all, all kind of different kind of uh, breakdown of him. So when he's up there, like when the George Zimmerman got acquitted, he came up in the, in the, uh, on the podium in the pulpit wearing a hoodie. And he was like, I am angry. I'm like, I know y'all probably want me to console y'all, but I can't do that. I'm like, yo, this, this, hey, he about to hit me with that real. He about to hit me with that real. And he like, he put that, that Arizona iced tea on the, on the thing and the Skittles. He slammed the Skittles down. I'm like, yo. Like, don't waste the Skittles. <laughs> you, was, you was mad because you are like, bro, I don't know Skittles, man. Chill out. He was, he was going in. But, so I was just thinking about how he was saying the God, the Jesus that is presented to the masses is not the Jesus that's in the Bible. And don't get caught up with this whole the white, blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jesus is who's in the Bible, and that is not true. He was a rebel. He was the one that establishment didn't like, that they went out of his way to kill this man. And, like, people are part of the majority don't get taken care of like that. They don't get allowed to move around in a system like that. And don't let anyone ever confuse you about where Christianity comes from. Because the first, the oldest Christian church is in Ethiopia. It's like, don't forget that. This ain't come from the white man. And the white man ain't even really teaching Christ as it should be. And I'm like, Pastor, it's very interesting. We have a, lot, a couple of white members <laughs> in here, but he keep it real with your folks. I'm like, but this black liberation uh, Christianity, I'm like, it's two different churches. It's, it's two. There's two different churches going it, on right it's now. It's so appealing because it, <laughs> it appeals to everything. And like, I, I really have to to do so. You know, of course, like I, I, you know, we we glow, we gush over the we gush over the AME church. Um, uh, that we went to Metropolitan AME here in, in um, Washington D.C., where you know, like they sing the Black National Anthem at, during every church service, no matter who's there—white people, Jewish people, every every type of people has to raise a fist and recite <laughs> this Black National Anthem. And that was that was an empowerment. So I think, you know, there there have been times in my life where I really thought the church had just kind of lost its weight. And I've been, and, and the thing is the ability right now for a church to like churches that are evolving into, you know, into this new, like you said, black liberation Christianity. I, I don't think it's been new. I just don't think, I, I think it, I, I, I think, think it's been connected to the wrong thing. But I, I think, no, but I think it is new because I, I feel like the, there was a disconnect and churches had to say like, which generation are we going to connect to going forward? Like, I feel like there was a time where you still got that old-time religion. And it wasn't that long ago that you got that old-time religion. But, but what has been the old-time religion for us? Because if you say something like, uh, I mean, well, old-time. Mo- Mo- Mother Manuel Amy Church has been there for, what, 200-something years now? Right. That's, that, that's old-time religion. But, that, but, that's but, that old-time, but that old-time, but yeah, that has the Underground Railroad in it, correct. But that had the more pacifist 
Martin Luther King. What they had the whole. I mean, no true pacifist like. No, I'm just saying, but they had to turn the other cheek. Nonviolent resistance, like the churches bought into that nonviolent resistance movement. But they never said do not resist. That's all. Like I, 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 I don't. Get where you where you're getting because you're still, because I you're still got because I be feeling like you know like man the church if they decided to resist in a in a more aggressive manner um they could mobilize that into some real change but I feel like they don't like case in point you got all these pastors up here grandstanding for Donald Trump like those are black pastors of mega churches with massive movements. Of black people with churches grandstanding. I, dang, that guy. I'm about to look him up. Like yeah, you can look look at the picture of all the pastors. Like hey, he convened. He convened. Many churches. I don't see no T D Jakes up there. Yeah, he convened black black. T D was there. But you but you don't hear about T D Jakes calling out the 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 president either, right? True like enough. like like the internet would go crazy if T D Jakes said T D Jakes calls out Donald Trump. You don't think that that would be on your internet timeline feed? With all your Christian friends, with all your church friends, huh? I know it would be all mine. But like every church I've ever grown up in has always been political. Always. Hmm. <laughs> right now, I'm. I'm I am. I, hey, look, look. Maybe they just don't want that from T.D. Jakes. Donald Trump is a man Hitler. What did he say, or he just joined some <laughs> some people saying it? Because the headlines are headlines are always like he he on the Google thing, and so it says TD Jakes and black Christian leaders join the left and branding Donald Trump as America's Hitler. I don't feel like reading right now. Okay, well we'll we'll post a link. We'll post a link going forward. Like if we if we find something, but I feel like if that that I feel like that article would have got some real traction, but that might just be clickbait. It might just be clickbait. All right. PDJ's on reconciliation after 2016. You hear that? Yeah, I saw that. I read that one. Uh, that's October. That's November. Whatever. We'll, we'll right. figure it out. We'll figure out what he's with Black Preachers land. But you know, every church I've ever been to has never talked anything but Black liberation. Have only taught black liberation. And so I need that. I don't, yeah, I still need it in my life, but I, it always gave me focus about what to do next. Like that, that's where we got our political base. That's where we was like, yo, you need to vote this person out. Like so many people who have gotten right. fired through the church have went on the rump office to help change for different things. So we've always been doing things like at my church back home. The, the illicit change that, that you're talking about, they're taking all these people out of prison, giving them their GEDs, to get them their housing, to get them clean, to get them jobs, and then get them to run for different things in the community. So I'm saying, like, under, what, look, what do you want them to I look, do? I understand that, that there are churches that are operating. We talked about this new doctrine of black liberation in Christianity. But, but guess what? No, I'm saying it's been going on for 30 years. But, but At least 30 years. That's all I could talk on. But what... <laughs> As 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 killings of innocent black people have become like mainstream, right? It never went out of style. I know it never went out of style. I know that. I know that. I <laughs> know that. Only thing that changes internet, right? But even that time period, how were churches mobilizing 
the masses in these in these 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 pockets or these these incidents that were happening now. And now that it's even more now that it's even more reported, more publicized, why aren't more churches adopting this black liberation theology? I don't think and, they and, ever uh, okay, so, but but I feel like the the doctrine has been black integration theology. Like be equal with the like be like let's just integrate like we want to integrate churches want to integrate like it was it was not this raise your hand raise your black power fist no, no. and embrace the like I, I, think, I think, I've uh, never gone to a church no. in my thirty plus years of going to church we sung the black national anthem growing up in church with with a man that we just had on the show. We only sung it in February at the Black History Program. Right? This, this, this is what I say to you, sir. Is that it was never about integration. Every church I've been to has always felt like let's build a network for ourselves and we could do it under the guise of a church so we don't need to deal with the outside people anymore. So I know churches started their own credit unions so they could do their lines of credit. I've known churches who, who bought their own apartment complexes so that all that rip money could actually be doing something and they could charge rates accordingly or whatever. I've known churches to do start their own schools and daycares so they don't have to deal within the system that is outside of their black bodies. And so it's that it is it's that let's empower ourselves and use the guys in the church because when they see my black behind and your black behind try to do something, then they're gonna blow it up. Not saying they ain't burning and blowing up churches still. You know what I'm saying? But but we still pushing towards something. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we we we're gonna wrap that up and we'll wrap that up into a boat for for another discussion on another day. Right, right. But 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 major props to, to Pastor Page because like you're facilitating this dialogue, and every Tuesday we look forward for you coming back and giving us something for our your black and our community. But we gotta get into it. there's just so much stuff going on. To talk about how proud I am of Mr. Brown, like uh, he it, right, like he talked about this earlier about him wanting to be a rapper, and uh, I'm I'm very happy and excited that his uh his man, if you're in the D.C. area, uh, Jasper JMB, yeah, Jasper Maddox and the Beast and the Beast, uh, are doing have two shows, yeah, like, back to back, back to back weeks, He's going uh, back to back, uh, and I just want to let you, I just wanted to let you know, uh, I just want to let you know how how proud I am of of the work that you're doing and uh, and the music that you're creating. It's actually really good music. We're gonna post a little JMB uh, on the Your Black Is Our Facebook page um, shortly um, before we before we kick it into quote unquote overdrive or, or whatnot and. Um, so, so tell us what's going. Like, tell us what's coming up. Uh, well, JMB has really been expanding. We've uh, really been moving forward to start uh, art collective. And by art, I mean all art, and not just like music, like visual artists, uh, spoken word, graffiti, graphic. Uh, still need some more dance artists. These are dancers, you know, hop on. <laughs> <laughs> not what kind like of da- what kind of dancers are we talking about? <laughs> you know, no, not those dancers, but just to connect people here in DC to make a collective artistry that we could go out there and just make dope music together. And we uh, used to be just 
me and uh, Spindra, uh, who makes an uh, incredible musician who can play multi-instruments, uh, piano, guitar, drums, percussionists. And now uh, we have uh, Monet has joined a group who gives that female vocalist. And I know women make everything better. So we get the, we, we about to be the new age Fuji's. Or the new age arrested development. I don't know yet. <laughs> hmm. I've been thinking about that. Interesting. <laughs> we about to be one of these things. Are we the new Lincoln Park? I don't uh-huh. know. But we've been making really cool music. And if you are in the DMV, you'll be able to experience something that you're never going to see that is, ever. That is D.C., Maryland, Virginia DMV. <laughs> Not the drivers, <laughs> not the Department <laughs> of Motor, motor vehicles. vehicles. Yeah, I don't even know the DMV stand for anymore. Um, so come check us out. We have a house show. Uh, we can post that up, and then we have it at the City Club by the Young Executives. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. So you know it's gonna be lit. Like we, we going we gonna get people. Make sure the margaritas are flowing. Four to eight. You know they're gonna do margarita madness and have uh, uh, drink specials on your on your coronas. <laughs> um, but you know I, I'm really just excited because of the because of the music, man. Like the the music has evolved and it's come a long way, uh, and I'm excited about what you guys are doing. I'm looking forward to the shows. Like two shows in two weeks, that might be a that might be like you know. Boy. Boy, but that's but that's the life I want. Right, but I know if I don't come to eat both of those things, nah, nah, like, you, you gonna be you, you, you gonna be you gonna be judging. Nah, you good. <laughs> I was expecting to come to one, but if you come to both, man, hey, kudos, kudos, man. Like like I understand the commitment because I'm tired. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm tired, boy. But I but this is the life I choose to lead. And I will say this: Tank and Bangers may have won that tiny desk contest, but. You know, I voted for. I don't even think I had a vote. <laughs> you don't. Oh, you don't have a vote. Uh-huh. Lock had the vote. Right, but if I would, I drink enough Lock to where they should have gave me a vote. <laughs> and those are facts. Facts. Those are real Hashtag facts. Facts. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So, so if you're in the DMV area, house show in North, go to their Facebook page. Uh, it's Jasper Maddox and the Beast. Jasper Maddox and the Beast on Facebook. You can catch their music at SoundCloud on Jasper Maddox. It's Jasper Maddox SoundCloud page. Yeah, Jasper Maddox. And if you on IG, you can go to the Red Room dot Collective. Red Room dot Collective. You know, and get all the latest. Yeah. See, man, man, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, I'm actually really digging this this new. I'm just I'm just so much more relaxed with the new yeah, format. Look at that shit. And, and we just got you know we just got people calling in from we got people calling in from everywhere. We got Louisiana, South Carolina. Right, like like that's that's real. You know what I'm saying? And, and the dialogue that we've been able to facilitate, I feel like this has been one of our better shows. So it's not just us talking talking about it, man. We had like people calling in, giving that real giving that real take, giving that real take while we. Uh, we try to figure out how to how to continue to navigate this new platform and this new experience that we're trying to get to you guys. So next week we're gonna have a whole different cadre of, of hosts coming in. Cadre, cadre, like a different cadre, yeah. that's a different group. What you want to say? Different cohort? Or, no, 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 uh, no. I like cadre. Yeah, yeah different a mix, a, a different yeah. mix of, of 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 guests that are coming in, and. And so and so yeah, um, and I, I appreciate you know we're getting some comments on 
getting some comments on Facebook, and I appreciate the comments. Oh, yeah. Shout out, like I'm gonna shout out the homie, homie Gerard Cal. Like that is that's been my dude for a minute, and shout out to him, another black man doing black, black man, yeah, <laughs> doing man. real black man things, and, and we appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, no, are you using? Sorry, just question. Are do are you this shea butter that has everyone going crazy? Because I even saw a, a internet meme, 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 however you say it, a Rachel Dozell on a shea butter, like like they was like shea butter. So I ain't really, I haven't really jumped into the the, the controversy behind it. Uh, well, I looked at it like, as we all know, shea butter has always been black. It is extremely black. It's so black that on their website, how they describe shea butter, Sophie Tucker started selling shea nut in the village market at Bonfi Sierra Leone in 1912. By the age of 19, the widowed mother of four was selling shea butter, African black soap and her homemade hair skin preparations all over the countryside. Sophie Tucker was our grandmother, and Shea Moisturizer is a legacy. Ain't nothing not black about that, any of that. That is crazy black. <laughs> like, ain't nothing black. It, 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 it encompasses the entire black entrepreneur <laughs> experience uh, of selling hair. Like, you know, it's like a $2 billion yeah. industry right yeah. now. Yeah, like, like, this is black. Like, she's probably there. I'm like, Madam C.J. Walker ain't got nothing on me. I got this. And now they got this ad where it's like the, the the time of break free of hair hate, which, you know, was something very big in the black community about not liking your hair. Right. And you go show up a white woman? What the hell? <laughs> like, your whole base are black women and black people who smear your product all over their bodies. So they're not looking dry at I mean, any given time of the year. And now you talk about, you want to show these goddamn white women talking about hair hate. Like, oh, my God, I don't want to be blonde. What? Okay, so it's not true to their messaging, their core messaging. <laughs> I will give you that. <laughs> However, are you mad at them for going after a different market? No, I mean, like, get, like get I get, I get, 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 get money. But I get your company you, is well. well yo, 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 okay, yo, I'm okay, mad. I, okay, I'm mad because if you build your company on the backs of black people and then don't want to, like, then you want like there's a difference between going after white people market share. Yeah. And then building your company on the backs of black people, like, like, like they're slavery, <laughs> <laughs> and they build a whole economy on the on the backs of black people, right? Yeah. And then was like, yo, like, like we only selling this cotton so. Like we gonna market this cotton to the white folks, you know, like like like, but not the yeah, not the same concept. But I yo, get it. I get where I get where yo, black people would be up in this, the air this, and, this, and this, offended. This is the five heartbeats realizing they wasn't gonna be able to cover their album. Like what you mean, man? I can't be on the cover of the album. This is my music, and I marketed to real. black people. And you gonna put happy white folk on the beach on my album? Like it, it, it's so many. Things that just kind of uh, bothersome. It's like when your favorite rapper decides to rap in a totally different way. Like Nelly, you making country songs now? Yeah. What you trying to do, Plato? 
I think for us, I think Lupe had a little spell. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like I'm doing this all. Man, but, but rock and roll is black at its core. True, but, true. But, 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 but it was kind of like, yo, y'all, you had a you had a good formula. Yo, that you was giving us, you was giving us real hits. So, so, so even going back, and like I know, do what you gotta do for money. But remember, Black Eyed Peas before Fergie, like that's the joint, that's the jam. Turn it up and play it again, like, and then they turn Fergie, like, my hump. Like, wow, dude. I didn't know that there was a Black Eyed Peas before Fergie. <laughs> This has been the most informational <laughs> hour. Like, like will I am from Compton, homie? Wow, <laughs> this, this is the most. This has been the most informational. Like, like, yo, dudes, dudes sold they sold, man. Wow. It, like, like, it, 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 when you sell your well, soul. Well, here's the thing. He's the the owners of the company sold forty nine percent of the company to Bank Capital, um, and so they only own a majority stake in the company. Uh, I almost want to say just in theory only. Yeah. Um, so, so you have to understand that white people are going to come at them and be like, you get money, but do not alienate your base. your base. You're right. You're right. No, I mean, the politicians do the same thing. That, that it almost it almost came off like season two of The Wire. Like like when that first few episodes came on of season mm-hmm. two of The Wire, I was like, yo, bro, what, what you doing? Where? Man, season two of The Wire was one of the best seasons. You, it, season two is the worst season no, of all no, The Wire. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir, because it showed just how grimy white people and just how complicit yo, white yo, people were yo, in getting this and getting this drug money and using this drug money. So okay, all right, wait up. As anyone else. All right, so what's your favorite season of the wire? My favorite season of the wire is season three. Season three. What's your second favorite season of the wire? Season four. Third season of the wire. One. Mm-hmm. Next favorite season. Two. Oh, you put two over five. And five. Yeah. Five. Two. Yeah, because five I wasn't really with all the media and the string strangle guy. But, you know, like, season three is my favorite. Four, because I have a vested interest in education. Like, four is my favorite. Three is my second. Like, one and two are kind of interchangeable. Because, no. because one, shows the, one shows the black people rolling. Uh, in, in, so, so season one shows the black people's rolling in the drug I, I trade. Understand. Season two shows the white people's rolling in the drug trade. Season two and season clearly. three shows, like, how gentrification brings it all together. Season two was clearly the worst, yo. I can't. Clearly the worst. Five was the worst. Five and five has the worst intro music too. <laughs> like that's that's the other big part of it too. Like five has the worst. How did you not like season two with the girls in the can that they're crossing? We, we already drugs. declared that it's at the bottom. No, oh, it's in the bottom forty percent. Because no, no, sir. <laughs> Because only five, you know, two out of five. Right. Of so, this is the bottom point. I, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? You're a math uh, teacher. You're a math all, teacher. All, all I'm saying is I felt like they alienated the base. That's all I was trying to get at. I felt alienated. And I had to, I had to muscle through season two. I wasn't, like, engrossed by it, but, like, I know it's going to get me somewhere. So, I'm going to keep pushing. pushing. That's real. Pushing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And on that note... <laughs> This has been your blackest hour. Glad black to be back. Mess it up. Do it yeah, again. You're right. So we're glad to be back. No, the other line. This, this has been your blackest hour. Your blackest hour on the net. I'm KP. I'm Mr. Brown. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>